Lord, uh, as, I, as I prayed before, may the, um, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable to you, may be pleasing to you, O Lord, my God and my Redeemer. And Lord, I, I pray that as we, as we kind of dive into the scriptures this morning and as we, as we see what you've done and we, as we learn about what you are doing and will do, Lord, that you would speak to us, that your spirit would speak to us, your spirit of truth would uh, speak truth to us. Lord, I actually speak to, uh, to lies and strongholds in our lives this morning, that they would be, that would come down, that would be uh, broken in your name, Jesus. Oh yeah. I declare this place as a, as a place of life because where you are, there's life. So come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. More of you today. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Uh, we've been talking a bit about, um, about presents at home. Uh, and at first we kind of had to get away from talking about like, Christmas presents and so on and start talking about the, pre- like, the presence of somebody. And um, you know, just thinking about what, you know, what does it mean to be in someone's presence and uh, and we and we realised that we sort of when we're in the um, you know when you're in the same room as somebody else you're in their presence so right now you know you're in the same room you're in this, you're in you're in my presence and I'm in your presence and you're in the presence of the people around you and and you know, when you go to when you go to work then you're in the presence of your workmates and you're not so much in the presence of your family. Um, just, I mean it's all it's just basic stuff, eh? But we don't really it's not really a word that we we typically use when you're around somebody. But this is what you know, in churches we talk about the presence of God a lot. The presence of God. We talk about the presence of God a lot. So uh presence is a word that I want us to sort of like hold on to. At the at the end of Matthew's gospel, Jesus said, um right at the end he goes, Behold I am with you always to the end of the age. Behold I'm with you always to the end of the age. And then and then, as I talked about last week, he ascended. Um, he ascended to heaven. So it's like, well, if he's ascended to heaven, then how is he with us always to the end of the age? How how could he be ever present to the disciples uh, then, and also ever present to us today? And as we saw in the video, it's through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a person, the person of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's not a not 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 just a force. Not like to, I mean, they talk they talk about it as being the, like the energy the energy of God. But uh, but we also have to hold in mind that that he, that he's a person. He's the third person of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is God's personal presence, His breath, His ruach. And today is being Pentecost Sunday. It's really all about the Holy Spirit coming on and dwelling within apostles and the early believers. And, and we look back at this day and it's a hugely significant day in, in our history, in the history of the people of God. And, and as we look back, we can discover and learn more about God and the Father, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We can learn about who He is. Uh, what he's done, what he's doing in our time, and what he will do. So this this morning I'm going to go back over a, over a bunch of Old Testament scriptures before getting to uh, the Pentecost story in the New Testament. Uh, I've got a, quite a few scriptures that I want to uh, open up, and sometimes this, uh, and I'm just going to read them. And I'm, my prayer is, you know, that, that that the Lord's going to speak to us through this. You know, the Holy Spirit's also called the Spirit of Truth, and uh, and this morning, uh, let us open ourselves. I encourage you, open yourselves up 
to the truth, to the Holy Spirit and His truth, to His, His, His revelation of truth today as we look at these scriptures. And so in my notes, I've written down, pray and invite the Spirit. So let's do that. <laughs> in fact, do you want to stand just for a second? This is, it's just sort of adjusting our posture, right? Into going, Lord, we we receive you. To, we receive you today. You might even, you know, I talk about this a little bit, like even kind of putting out your hands. It's just like a posture, kind of going with with physically representing what what we're doing internally. You know, Lord, we we welcome you. Lord, we 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 long to encounter you. We're desperate for you, Lord. We're a, we're a people that are thirsty for you to see you move in our day and in our generation. And we invite you, Holy Spirit. We invite your Spirit of Truth. We invite your spirit of truth upon our minds. We invite your spirit of truth upon our hearts. We invite your spirit of, of light. Lord, where there's darkness, may that darkness go right now in your name, Jesus. The spirit of truth, truth come. We open ourselves up to you and we submit ourselves to you. Lord, you are the king of kings. You know all things. You know right and wrong. So we submit ourselves to you today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father. Amen. Mm. And now I can relax. <laughs> He's here. He's here. You know, you know that phrase, where there's smoke, there's fire? Well, when you look at the Bible, where there's fire, there's, it's often God. It's often about God. Like God is, up, God is up to something. Restarting the computer. Man, that's serious, isn't it? Where there's smoke, there's fire. Or in the Bible, where there's fire, there's often God. Or put it, to put it another way, where there's fire, there's often an intersection of heaven and earth, like a meeting of heaven and earth. Uh, there's often encounters with God. And that makes quite a lot of sense when you look at descriptions of God. And I, I don't have this on the, on the PowerPoint, so don't get, um, don't get too worried yet, Ross. Um, Ezekiel had, the, had a vision of God, and, and he, in this vision he said... Uh, let's turn to it. Eh? Ezekiel, do I have bookmarks in the right place? Oh, I do. Isn't it a miracle? There's a bookmark in the right place. Ezekiel one twenty-seven. I'm going to read from 26, actually. one twenty-six. And so he's having this incredible vision, a vision that I think, we, man, we would just love to have, but we don't want to have the rest of what Ezekiel had to deal with. Anyway, he, he goes, and above the expanse over their heads, so the, the heads of these, uh, these creatures that he saw, there was the likeness of a throne. So he's looking up and he's seeing the throne in appearance like sapphire. And seated above the likeness of a throne was a likeness with the human appearance. It's like, this is like, 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 right? Because... You know, you're seeing God. I had you describe God in appearance like sapphire and seated above the likeness of a throne was a likeness with a human appearance. And upward from what had the appearance of his waist, I saw as it were gleaming metal, like the appearance of fire enclosed all around. And downward from what had the appearance of his waist, I saw as it were the appearance of fire and there was brightness all around him. So fire up, fire down. And he goes, like the appearance of the bow that is in the cloud on the day of rain, a rainbow, so was the appearance of the brightness all around. So when you see a rainbow, that can bring to mind uh, blind God. I do encourage you to bring your, bring your Bible, or at least uh, op- open up your phone and, and have a look at these scriptures as we read them, because we want to learn about God. So that was Ezekiel. He sees the fire of God. Daniel. 
Daniel also had this vision. And in his vision, he saw God, the Ancient of Days. And this is in, this is in Daniel 7, 9, and 10. So I'm going to turn over there. Hi, Lena. I don't have a bookmark in this one. So Daniel 7, 9, and 10. He says, As I looked, thrones were placed, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was white as snow, and the hair on his head like pure wool. His throne was fiery flames. Its wheels, he had wheels on his throne, were burning fire. And a stream of fire issued and came out before him. Ten thousand thousand served him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court sat at judgment and the books were opened. So that's a couple of the Old Testament prophets. And then in the New, Test- in the New Testament, thanks for reading that passage from Revelation, as though we read the passage from the end of Revelation, at the beginning of Revelation, John saw a vision of God. John the Revelator saw one like a son of man clothed with a long robe and a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white like white wool and snow. His eyes were like flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze refined in a furnace. And his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars. And from his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. And his face was like the, sh- like, like, like the sun shining in full strength. Our God is fiery. Are you picking that up? Fire, fire. Always there's fire in these visions of God. He's fiery. He's a fiery God. So now I'm going to turn to uh, like three, three scriptures, all from the book of Exodus. Three stories. One is, the, one is near the beginning, one is near the middle, and one is near the end. The interesting thing is now all these stories take place all, all around Mount Sinai. And if you know much about Mount Sinai, so these stories, uh, the Israelites had been set free from slavery in Egypt by the fiery God that we've just talked about. And, it, and then they have this meeting place with God in Mount Sinai. So let's, look, let's just read those. So the first one comes from Exodus 3, 1 to 6. This is the story of where Moses encounters God for the first time. It says, now Moses, I'm going to just turn to it. Okay, Exodus chapter 3. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Horeb's another name for Mount Sinai. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of the bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And, God's, and Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. As you do. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called him out of the bush. He said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not come near. Take the sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. It's a story that we, we sometimes get quite familiar with, this burning bush, and we, and we kind of need to uh, remind ourselves of the significance of what's going on. This is a sacred place. Moses was afraid to even look at him because he realized this is God. Okay, next story. This is Israel and Mount Sinai. They're coming from the middle, roughly the middle of Exodus. This is Exodus. Actually, I'm going to uh, consider my power. Oh, you got it working. Oh, it's awesome. Okay, so, uh, but I don't want to use this next one anyway. I'm going to, uh, I want to use Exodus chapter 24 rather than Exodus 19. They both have this story, both Exodus 19 and 24 have these stories about the fire of God coming upon Mount Sinai. 
But I want to go to 24, partly because I just felt God uh, telling me during worship time to go for 24 rather than 19. But also I was talking about 24 last week. What's happened is Israel uh, has come to the middle of the desert and and the Lord has um, given them the conditions of this covenant that he wants to set up. His contract, eh? a relationship. And he's going, this is, this is what I'm going to do for you, but this is what I, I expect of you. You know, uh, it's, all, it's a covenant of relationship and, and a covenant of blessing, covenant of faithfulness. It's not, it's not a covenant of go, you do this and I'll do this. Well, that, that's, part, that's partly what's going on, but it's, a, it's much, much deeper than that. It's much deeper than that. So the, the covenant, they, they make this covenant and the people of Israel, as, as, as you might know, they agree to it. They go, yeah, we are not going to worship other gods. Uh, we're not going to do all, the, all these things that you, that you suggest are bad things, like murdering people. We're not going to do that, okay? Um, which is a good idea. And then, Mo, and then so we get to uh, chapter 24 and, and God, God says to Moses, okay, um, I'm going to come and meet with you. Right at the beginning, he goes, come up to the Lord, and he invites all these, all these other people, uh, Aaron, his brother, the elders, but only, but only Moses is going to meet with, going to meet with God. <laughs> it says, then Moses went up on the mountain, and the cloud covered the mountain. The glory of the Lord dwelt on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it in six days. And on the seventh day, he called to Moses out of the midst of the mountain. Now the appearance of God, of the glory of the Lord, was like a devouring what? Fire on top of the mountain in the sight of the people of Israel. Moses entered the cloud and went up on the mountain, and Moses was on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. Fire, fire in this encounter with God. Okay, and we jump to the final scripture in the book of Exodus. Oh man, I love this. This is... There's a, few, there's a few of my favorite passages, and this is, I think this is one of them. So this one's uh, Exodus 40, 34. So first of all, we've had Moses encountering God with the, with the burning bush and the fire on the burning bush. Then we had uh, the, the fire of God coming upon the mountain, and now we have uh, the glory of God, or as it says in, in the headings of my Bible, the glory of the Lord filling the tabernacle. In this story, they call the tabernacle the, the tent of the tent of meeting, and uh, just again, like a bit of background, uh, the Lord gave uh, really clear, really explicit instructions about how they were going to build this tent, this portable tent, and it was going to be this place where uh, where God met with them, who's going to bless them with His presence. And you you sort of read it in Exodus and um, and also later, uh, the, the clear instructions that He gave it was it was meant to be uh, like a really careful, carefully built. Um, tent <laughs> a tent of meeting well, we pick up the story in 34 40, 34 and it goes then the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle and Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud settled on it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle Throughout all their journeys, whenever the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the people of Israel would set out. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not set out till the day that it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle by day, and fire was in it by night, in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. Like, how cool is that? Imagine that. You've got this, 
You've got this tent of meeting and you've got, the, you've got this visible representation of God, cloud and fire that's kind of giving you instructions, stay for a while, leave for a while, you know, all of that kind of thing. It's so, it's, it's amazing. And what we pick up in these stories is that um, fire, fire marks like these temple spaces. Temples, temples are sacred, special places. The temple in the Bible is a sacred, special place where people come to meet God and to encounter God. Somehow, like these spaces, these physical structures are uh, differentiated from all other spaces. Like a church building, and the space inside is different from the space outside. I mean, you know, I'm talking about like temple being, being special places. Try not to get too distracted by Lanish. I know she's beautiful. She'll, I love your attention at the moment. Uh, like a, you might have had this sort of experience yourself where you, when you kind of go into, like you go into an old church and it's somehow different from, from the space outside. Like we had this in Europe uh, when we traveled over there a few years ago. We'd be sort of in the middle of a bustling city like Milan or something like that. I'm sounding exotic. Milan. I've been to Milan for about an hour. And we went into... <laughs> And we went into the cathedral, and it's like this, you know, it's just that sense of it being a, being different from the outside. That people are, are more quiet. You don't even just, it doesn't even have to be a sign, but people are just quiet, like respectful. And, and I, and I'm sure that it's a, it's a sense of like the sacred, like it being a sacred place, somehow differentiated from the space outside. And this is what this is what temples are. They kind of mark off different spaces, physical spaces. And one way to think about temple, and this is uh, what the Bible Project uh, videos do really beautifully, if you've seen them, is they talk about how a temple is where heaven and earth meet, where they intersect. And what we see in the Bible is that the tabernacle, the tent of meeting that we've just been talking about, and then the temple building itself, when, when King Solomon built that temple, they, were, um, they became these intersections of heaven and earth, and they were marked with God's presence and fire was one of, one of those key symbols or one of those key things in that moment, fire. And so I've just been talking about the temple. Let's look at what happens then. Again, like another one of my favorite, favorite passages. This is in, uh, in 2 Chronicles 7. So the end of 2 Chronicles 6 and in, into 7. Because I love the, love the prayer of Solomon. So, uh, again, you remember the story, there's King David, he wanted to build a temple for God, and, and God said, no, you can't do it because you're a man of war. And so the son, a uh, man of peace, was the one that was going to be building the temple out of, out of stones, and, and all of the game, these clear instructions about how it was going to be built. So they built the temple, this incredible temple. And then Solomon, King Solomon, he prays. And he says these words, And now arise, O Lord God, and go to your resting place, you and the ark of your might. Let your priests, O Lord God, be clothed with salvation, and let your saints rejoice in your goodness. O Lord God, do not turn away the face of your anointed one. Remember your steadfast love for David, your servant. As soon as Solomon finished this prayer, Fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And the priests could not enter the house of the Lord because of the glory of the Lord filled the Lord's house. When all the people of Israel saw the fire come down and the glory of the Lord on the temple, they bowed down with their faces to the ground on the pavement and worshipped him. 
and gave thanks to the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Isn't that cool? Isn't that cool? But again, like this, you kind of like noticing some of these similarities. The burning bush, Moses would not approach. The, the fire on top of the mountain that actually only, Moses was allowed to approach, but nobody else was. The fire in the tabernacle, you couldn't approach it like there's this. And then the fire in the temple. We, we uh, man, we're so primitive in our understanding of God and his holiness. We just take so much for granted, don't we? We kind of want, we want the fire from heaven, but goodness, like if the fire from heaven came down now, we'd be like, oh, go away. I'm not kidding. I'm sure that's what would happen. No, Lord. Like these are such awesome, powerful moments, such powerful moment, moments. And so, again, like it's, really, it's really fascinating reading uh, some of these Old Testament passages. So the, the glory of God fills the temple. Incredible, amazing, profound, awesome, frightening. And then, and then after years, not so many years, but a few years and like generations passed, and then Israel just continually breaks their promises, breaks their promises with God. They, they sin, they betray him, they, they worship idols rather than God. And, and finally, uh, there's this, again, like probably one of the saddest, there's a few really sad stories in the Bible. One is when uh, Adam and Eve sinned and, and then we had to leave the Garden of Eden. And then this is, there's another really sad passage, and it's in Ezekiel 10, 18. And it's when God's presence leaves the temple. He leaves them. And yet, and yet, God is so full of grace. He's so full of mercy and there continued to be promises that he would return. Old Testament prophets continued to speak of a day in the future, a day to come, that God's presence would return to the temple, that his spirit would once again be with them. And they, they talk about it over and over. And this fills them with hope. God's going to return. His presence is going to return. And so now, we, we, now we're finally getting closer to, the, closer to the New Testament, closer to the story of Pentecost. One of the last things Jesus said before he ascended was that he would send the promise of his father upon, upon, his, upon the apostles and upon, upon his followers. And that's, that's a really key phrase. I'll send the, the promise of the father because it's connecting. It's connecting to these Old Testament stories. It's connecting to these Old Testament prom- promises. The promise of the father. The promise of the father is what was promised throughout the Old Testament. It's the return of his presence. And this is, this is how that happened, right? So Acts chapter 2. Finally, we turn to Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Are you seeing some of the, some of the overlap, some of the similarities with other ways that, that the Lord has filled the tabernacle, filled the temple, come upon the mountain of Mount Sinai? There's the sound of wind. This is another common thing that we read in the Old Testament. When God comes, the sound of wind and the fire. This fire that rests on each of them 
And then it says that, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit enabled them to speak in other tongues. And then, the, like the first thing they can do is they can speak in other other tongues, and they can com- can communicate to the people around them in the city of Jerusalem at that time, like the goodness of God and 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 who Jesus is and and what Jesus has done. But when you read this passage, it's like this is like the Old Testament, but in a different way. The presence of God. Like when he met Moses in the burning bush and the presence of God on Mount Sinai and the temple and the tabernacle. The fire then is significant. And then uh, people are confused because everybody, if you know the story, the people out in the streets, they hear this news, hear what's going on. They go, oh, they're drunk. And Peter goes, no, they're not drunk. It's only nine o'clock in the morning, which is actually kind of funny. Um, A few, was it last week? Um, we drove into town at about 9 o'clock on a Saturday morning. And, um, you know, sometimes you get breathalyzed driving into town on Saturday morning. <laughs> so in Wellington, some people are drunk at 9 o'clock on a, on a Saturday morning, is what, what my point was. But uh, the Apostle Peter stands up and goes, no, they're not, they're not drunk because it's only 9 o'clock in the morning, the third hour. He goes, this is what was promised. This is the promise of the Father. This is what the prophet said would happen. He the prophets said that the presence of God would return and fill the temple. His spirit would be poured out in all flesh. And, and Peter points to the prophet Joel. And I think I've got this on a slide. Zacks uh, 2.16. He goes, And in the last days it shall be, God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams, even on my male servants and my female servants. In those days, I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. Let it be, Lord. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs in the earth below, blood and fire, vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Do you know that this Wednesday there's going to be a super blood moon? I'm not saying it's <laughs> the day of the Lord's about to come. We're sort of like living in this. It's a, it's a crazy passage like loaded with tensions because we see some of the fulfillment of this and then some of it's still, still to come. But, he, but what Peter's doing is he's connecting the coming of the Holy Spirit to the promise of the Father. And then later on, Peter, I love Peter. He's, he's a... Amazing legend. What a guy. And he wrote he wrote a book and he called it First Peter. <laughs> and in First Peter First Peter two, eleven, ten, he he explains, he kinda of unpacks it further and he says that 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 you, that we are God's temple. We are Individuals, but as individuals, we are stones, living stones. And that, you know, the stones are the structure of the temple, the sacred place, the sacred space that hosts the presence of God. He goes, You yourselves are living stones being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. This is not a small thing. This is not a thing to be treated lightly. Man, we sang that song right at the very beginning, and that lion stood up to me um, about, um, like, let this be an altar. And you know what happens on altars? Sacrifices. 
And there's some really significant altars in the Old Testament where fire comes down. These are holy places. And then we finish with the song going, you are holy. Holy God. You're so far beyond our comprehension. You're so much more amazing. And we, if we understood, Lord, man, we'd be flat on our faces. But he goes, you yourselves are like, you're, you're like living stones. Being built up as a spiritual house. We're being built up to be a spiritual house. A holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifice acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And the spiritual house is to host the presence of God. It's to be a place where his, his glory inhabits, his, his presence fills us. And this is what makes us, the church, distinct from every other gathering on earth. We are not like a sports club. Uh, we're not like fans at a concert. I was just like coming, trying to come up with examples. We're not like drinkers at a bar. We're not like students at school. We're not like kids at a party. We are God's temple. Together we're God's temple. We're, we're, we come together because of the presence of God. And no other reason. <laughs> I can get a good coffee. Uh, who's making coffee today? You guys, you make great coffee. But I can get a good coffee in town. <laughs> I can. You know what I mean? I love, I love my bed. I could sleep in. I could stay at home. I love it. But the, the thing that draws me, the thing that I want to be gathering with people with is, is not about company. It's not about community. It's not about coffee. <laughs> Three C's in a row. It's about God. It's about encountering God. It's about hosting the presence of God. It's about worshiping God. How about you? <laughs> is that why you're here? I hope so. Otherwise, it's going to get pretty uncomfortable pretty quickly. Together, we're God's temple. And so we kind of look back at these pictures of the presence of God in the Old Testament, the burning bush, fire on Mount Sinai, fire filling the tabernacle in the temple, and we, and we remember what does God's presence look like? There's fire, right? And so when we gather, we gather to welcome his presence and to, ho- to host his holy presence and and man, I just want to—I oh, just want that to sink in. I want God to kind of grab our hearts with what this is all about. First and foremost, church is to be a heaven and earth intersection. Imagine that—we're a heaven and earth intersection to host His presence, to encounter the living God. And you might go, "Well, James, but that's you know that's Acts chapter two. That's two thousand years ago. Cool, happened then." Um, you know, church is ticked on. That's that's all good. That's all good. But two thousand years later, so man, what does that have to do with me? And um, and because I'm asking this rhetorically, you know that I've got an answer for you. Because this promise, the promise of the Father, the promise of the Old Testament Father for the people of God is for the people of God, the people of God in the Old Testament, the people of God for us today. The promise of the Father is, is just as much for us today as it was for Peter, as it was for the for the apostles, as it was for the early believers, as it was for as for Mary, Mary, and the and all the other women that were that were present in the upper room, the 120 in the upper room, the promises for us, and I know this because of what Peter said, Acts chapter two thirty seven. So Peter had been unpacking. Uh, you know, all these people listening, he'd been unpacking what was going on and he, and he began preaching to them. And he was telling them about who Jesus was and what Jesus did. And he goes, this Jesus Christ who you crucified, well, he was the son of God. He was actually the son of God here to save you. 
And they heard this and they were cut to the heart. And, and they said to Peter and the rest of the, the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, each one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, everyone from everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. Everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself, that means me, that means you. We are children of the 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 children. <laughs> Maybe not like a direct lineage, but the ones that they told, the ones that they talked to. We, can, we connect our stories to what's going on here. This is for us today. The promises for you, the Father's promises for us today. And for your children, for my daughter Elena, for Eli, for your children, if you've got children here today, and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord calls himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Oh, Lord. May we meet with you today like that. May we encounter your spirit like that, Lord. Just got one more passage and then then we'll finish up, okay? Ezekiel, back to Ezekiel 36. I've made a big mistake as I've been like um, reading these passages. I've been taking the bookmarks out. I need it. I need one more. There was one more. Ezekiel 36, 26. I'll start at 25 actually. He says, I'll sprinkle sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness and from all your idols I will cleanse you and I will give you a new heart and I'll give you a new spirit and I'll put within you a new spirit I'll put within you. I'll remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I'll put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. I felt like the Lord wanted me to uh, prophesy this over us today. He's going to take take our hearts. I know that many... And many of us have given our lives to Jesus already. But still there's a part of our hearts that I feel uh, stony. I know, I, I've got it, right? I've got, I've, got a, I've got a hard heart in a lot of ways. And I want to have this, this, this heart of flesh, this soft heart. And, and this is, I wonder, like the, the fire of God, like the fire of God's got to come on us and almost like, Melt that heart of stone. And, and only he can do it. It's, it's only he can do it. Only he, he can bring that sort of that conviction and, and do the work in our hearts, give us his heart. And so we kind of like go, Pentecost. We want Pentecost. And man, we want Pentecost. But there's a lot going on in Pentecost Day. Eh? It's not just It's not just a... A, a spiritual high, it's a spiritual transformation. And it kind of brings us back to what this what the purpose of our gathering is all about. Ah, goodness. We thank you, God. I I feel like in 
you know, we're, oh, how should I say this? <laughs> We've gotten so used to the way things are, right? The way we do, way we do church, the way we do life, we get so used to it. We go, oh, we're going to come along to church. We're going to sing some songs. We're going to have some announcements. Someone's going to preach. Uh, we're going to have coffee. And then we kind of forget, uh, maybe we forget, or maybe we've, maybe we've kind of like pushed it, pushed it aside or allowed it to become secondary that this is a time to encounter the living God. And it's almost like, you know, all these things that we do are a response to, are a response to him. And I feel like in our season, this is a hope, hopeful thing. This is not a, a burdensome thing, but it's a hopeful thing that the Lord is going to visit us in our time, in our day, in our generation, uh, that means that's all of us, like young and old, all of us. He's going to visit us, and, he, and, we, and all of a sudden, all these things that we do are going to take on a new significance. Oh, we're singing because we're in the presence of God. Oh, we're preaching His words because we long to understand Him more. We want to learn about Him more. You know what I mean? Well, um, and, it, and it's like, it's just this, this, I've got this stirring, it's burning, it's coming more and more and more and more. This is why I say church is going to get a bit more uncomfortable unless, unless, you're kind of like pick, unless you're kind of like picking this up or letting this burn in you as well. Meeting with God. We've got to meet with God. Nothing else, it doesn't, doesn't come close. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> so, Lord, would you put within us a heart of, heart of flesh? God. Um, God, only you can do it, Lord. Only you can do it, Lord. If just if this is if this is resonating with you, if this is something that uh, like like you want for yourself, you want to encounter God, like God who promises life and love and joy and freedom beyond beyond anything we can know. If you you know you you know you're you might have already met God, you might already know Him, but there's but there's more. If this is resonating with you, what I'm talking about this morning, some of these scriptures, then um, why, don't you, why don't you just stand? It's just to indicate to him your desire for him. You know, the, the apostles had to wait 10 days after Jesus made, uh, made that promise. They had to wait 10 days. And sometimes we find it hard to even wait five minutes. So come, Holy Spirit. Lord, would you fall afresh on your church upon us today? Lord, would you do a work in our hearts and in our lives that's beyond our, even beyond our comprehension? Lord, would you take our hearts of stone and would you put within us a heart of flesh? Lord, we repent. Lord, where we've not made you our highest, our highest goal. Where we've made our gatherings about something else apart from meeting with you. Lord, we cry out for a a move of your spirit in in our day and in our time. That we would be like those living stones, Lord. Living stones with hearts of flesh. (laughs) How's that for a mixed metaphor? Lord, you can do it. You can do it. You can do it, Lord. So even now, Lord, even now, even now, Lord, we don't have a prescription for how you work. But we have a longing in our hearts for you, God. So come, God. Come, Holy Spirit. 
feel like the Lord is um, Lord is Lord is equipping us today. There's things that are going on in our in our culture. You know, He calls it save yourself from this crooked generation, and we do. We live in a crooked culture, a crooked. But He's He's equipping us to be His His uh, His servants, His hands and feet in our in our culture. I just see like um you know. Almost like um, like gifts of the spirit being placed in placed in people's hands this morning. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Just yeah, feel thanks for those sharing those words and prayers over the coming uh, over the coming days, over the coming weeks, coming months. The Lord's going to be uh, like drawing drawing our hearts closer to Him. Uh, it's going to feel um, uncomfortable. It's going to feel unsettled. Um, part of it might feel like you kind of go, oh, I just, I, I, I'm so dissatisfied, but in a, in a good way. <laughs> I'm discontent, but in a, in a good way. And it's like as the Lord is kind of going, no, nah, there's more, there's more to life. There's more to life. There's more to church. Definitely there's more to church. <laughs> there's more to life, Lord. And, uh, you know, there's that, Jesus said, um, that if we ask, that we if we ask, he will he will give. You know, if we ask for bread, he's not going to give us a stone. So my my encouragement is that we continue, can keep asking, keep asking, be persistent, be like the persistent widow, don't give up, don't give up, and uh, and also to be to be aware of uh, be aware of the presence of God in different spaces when you're on your own he calls us living stones we're sort of individuals and then we come together be aware become aware of, of God speaking to you in different ways different times and 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 to let yourself uh, like go like almost like almost like hone in and focus on those on those words let him kind of move move your thinking and move move your hearts towards him I feel like there's, uh, sorry, there's, but just a sense of, uh, and when Jesus was resurrected, there's the story of how the, um, the apostles, they didn't know what to do at one point, and so they go fishing, and they sort of fishing, and they're not catching anything, and then Jesus says, it's time to put your nets on the other side. Like, uh, like there's a sense of we're coming, coming into a season where it's going to be like a season of putting the nets on the other side, but we've got to do what we've got to do, and things are going to change. Things are going to change. The fish are coming in, and we're, but more than that, we'll be having barbecue with Jesus on the beach, and we won't even be worrying about the fish. <laughs> Bless you for what you're doing today, Jesus. Bless you for what you're doing in our day and our time. Bless you for the for the preparation that you're doing, for the restoration that you're doing, Lord. Around the whole world today, you're doing a work of restoration in your church, in your in your universal church, and we're we're experiencing it here. But it's but it's but it's far, far greater than that, Lord. And man, we want to be uh, catching your wave, Lord. We want to be um, moved with your spirit. We want to have those hearts of flesh, Lord. We want to be uh, a people that know your spirit and, and, uh, and are bearing the fruit of your spirit. We're kind. We're loving. We're patient. We're full of joy and love. We're... we're we're distinct from the culture around us, Lord Jesus. So we bless you, Lord. Uh, I, 
I feel, Lord, that you've, you've been um, putting things in our hearts this morning today. And it's, and it's okay to actually kind of move, almost like move on uh, like from this moment and to rest in you and to go on resting in you. Thank you, Father. Thank you for this season. Thank you for this day of Pentecost. We bless you, Jesus. We bless you so much. Amen.